Cooking Issues. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live from the heart of Manhattan, Rockefeller Center, Newsstand Studios, New York City. Uh, joined as usual with uh, John Bahami. How you doing? Doing great, thanks. Yeah? Yeah, Peter. For real? Yeah. Not lying yeah. to me? No, not lying. Yeah. Okay. Actually, a good day. Yeah. Sweet. All right. Yeah. Got Joe rocking the panels. How you doing, Joe? I'm doing well. Great to see everyone. Everyone's yeah. in a great mood today. Yeah? Yeah. Nice. All right. Uh, in Vancouver Island, in the way upper, upper, upper left-hand corner, we have Quinn. How you doing, Quinn? My mood is just okay. Uh, why is your mood just okay? Aren't you feeling better? Aren't you? Aren't you? Are you just trying to be honored? Yeah, are you just an honorary? Appointment. Appointment day. Mm. Yeah. Everyone loves mm. an appointment day. Uh, and then in Los Angeles, we have. Uh, is Nastasia with you today, Jack? Yeah. Yeah, we got Nastasia the Hammer Lopez and Jack Jack Molecules. How you doing? I'm good. Freshly back from Japan, finally. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's literally freshly back. Oh, anyway, uh, and I'm super delighted to have. So uh, again, we're, we're going to the new style where we all sh- yep. shoot the breeze together as a group. Uh, uh, delighted to have JJ Johnson, who's here to talk about his brand new book, "The Simple Art of Rice." How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, everybody. Ah, well, it's a super pleasure to have you. Uh, you haven't been on the show before, right? Now it's my first time. It's a shame. I have a restaurant here in Rockefeller Center. In Rock Center? Yeah, right down the stairs. Field trips there. I didn't know you had a branch here. Yes, I did. So your restaurant field trip uh, up in Harlem. I didn't know you had a branch here. What's it like? Have you had the same? Was that where you were having the problem with the rationale? Uh, no, that was at a different location. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I I have never. And it wasn't rationale. Let's not give them. Oh okay, okay. Let's not give them. Okay, okay. Heat in the streets. Oh uh, yeah, or not heat as the case may be. <laughs> so before we get on, we uh, we came on. You know, it was the standard like uh, you know people who cook uh, commiserating over crappy equipment, not crappy equipment, but crappy service to equipment. So it wasn't rationale. It was a different combi of them. You want to tell them what happened? Yeah, we opened our location right in front of uh, Columbia University, 114th and Broadway was running for two weeks, and all of a sudden the combi oven started saying gas pressure issues. Went back to the company, had them come. They blamed the plumber. The plumber then blamed them. Then they said, call Con Ed, tell them to turn the gas pressure up. You can't just call That's Con Ed and tell them. No, it's no. not. Con no. Ed to shut the gas down. <laughs> <laughs> and then they come to find out the machine had its own regulator. That's supposed to regulate the gas pressure, but they told us to put a reg, told the plumber to put a regulator on the other side of the combi. Right. And that regulator blew out the other regulator. So yeah, because it was replace, choking it. Correct. So they had to replace the, they had to replace their own twenty five thousand dollar combi oven, which they didn't want to do. Yeah. So so for those of you that like don't use professional equipment, the way <laughs> so like a home oven, you just attach that to gas and you're good to go. But like ninety nine percent of all commercial stoves, right? Ovens and stoves. You put a separate like regulator. It looks kind of like a flying saucer yep. and you can see it. You know what I mean? Because it's like the the bit and we use big old pipes. We're not using that little pipe that you <laughs> have at home. We got a big old pipe of gas coming out because they want to maintain a very even accurate pressure up to the oven. So it's a big pipe coming in and then they regulate it right before it goes into your equipment. And you actually have a separate regulator for each piece of equipment and each piece of equipment sometimes has a slightly different regulation. But apparently... The person who sold you their own piece of equipment didn't know Didn't know that whoever made your, not rationale, but whoever made your combi oven already put a regulator in it. And you can't double regulate but because th- you drop a certain PSI each time oh, you go. Every time. But this is the crazy part. So they come to take out the combi, put a new one in, and they go, hey, guys, what do you want us to do with this combi we're taking out? We're like, I don't know. He's like, but it's yours. Oh. So I'm like, I can fix on. it for you. 
should we keep this big old piece of combi yeah, oven? Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. they have the combi oven for us. I got to figure out what to do with it. Yeah. You going to fix it? Oh, hell yeah. Oh, great. I'm going to call you after this. Yeah. Well, if the electronics aren't toast, right? So no, uh, if it's just a toast. regulator, you could replace that. The problem with a lot of, let's just assume it's European. I don't know. Let's just assume it's European. So German. German. Okay. It's German, but it's not rationale. So we're, 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 we're digging down into where. <laughs> <laughs> So um, some of the problem, like, for instance, with uh, Paco Jets, right? So mm -hmm. we'll just pick on the Swiss for a minute. When you open up uh, one of those uh, Paco Jets, none of the parts inside are standard. Like, Correct. Yeah. So then you have to, like, do a little bit of hunting. Like, I have a German fridge, and it's a pain. But once you find the actual part numbers and you can get them, then you can just swap that thing out. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it, I don't want to I want to build more restaurants. But I don't want to be in control of construction anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've but, been beat up way too much. But that's a big piece of uh, equipment. Of, yeah, uh, yeah. I could, man, maybe. Yeah. yeah. I'll tell, we'll talk. Or yeah, or if you don't want to make sense, I'm sure there's someone listening here who'll be like, you know what? I'm I'm that knucklehead who has more time than good sense, and I'm gonna fix that and like you know, right? You know, make some sort of deal with you or something. You know <laughs> what I mean? Uh, all right. So uh, we started right into that, and we didn't get a chance to shoot the breeze. I'm like, has it, have any of you had anything over the past week in food and or beverage that was uh, interesting or, uh, you know, you want to talk about? So, Dave, in Japan, I ended up having um, whale sashimi. Oh, yes. Whale bacon is what they called it, and then horse sashimi. Okay. was it, the same place. Was it smoked? The bacon? The Well, the whale meat. Was it smoked or no? Yeah. No, no, it wasn't. Then it's not bacon, right? I mean, like, like that's yeah. that's all no, there is. I mean, this is this. I'm going off of like a really loose Google translation. All right. So I don't know if they're actually calling it bacon. That might right. just have been the closest English word to what they were trying to say. All right. No. So, so that part of the weirdness, I'm dialing back down. Now let's talk about the fact that it was like whale meat. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, how was that? How was your uh, yeah. how was your whale? Was it as uh, Unpleasant, as I'm led to believe, or what? No, I thought it was pretty good, actually. How thin was it? It wasn't thin at all. The, the It was just kind of like chunks. Mm. Sounds like a bad place. Uh, yeah. You ever had, any, anyone else Anyone else here ever had the whale? I never had the no. whale. No. 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 All right. All right. What about a horse? I hear a horse yeah. is delicious. Horse is good. The, the, well, I tried it two ways. There was a smoked horse that was actually really good, um, and the horse, the horse sashimi was like a little too much. Too much. much kinda, In which way? Like too like yeah. fatty? Like meh. Are you a huge tartare guy? Yeah, exactly. Are you a tartare guy in general or no? Yeah. Like when, all right. So yeah, I, I am. And but, I like raw things. It was just too fatty. Yeah. How thin was the was the horse? Not thin enough. That's the thing. When I have a raw piece of meat like that, I don't want to, like, I'm not, like, a cave person. I don't want, like, stringy stuff coming out of my teeth, you know? I want it to be thin. Yeah, that was the issue. Exactly. Exactly. What about you, JJ? Are you a tartare style of person or no? I love tartare. Yeah? I love crudo, sashimi. Yeah. But I don't know if I'm eating horse. I would definitely eat horse. <clears throat> I hear in Beijing, donkey is, like, big. I, I can see that. I, you know, I like donkey, that live animal, but I also kind of want to eat donkey. It's got to be tough. I don't know. I hear it's delicious. I heard it's delicious. You know? Best meat I ever had that I've only had once or twice was yak. I said that on the air. Yak delicious. Uh, so, yeah. So, whale, don't do it again, I'm assuming you're saying. Or you would have the whale again, but you wouldn't have the 
the one I kind mean, of horse. It's weird to do generally, right? But like in Japan, it is accepted. And was it was it you know, one but, restaurant that did both? Yeah, it was one restaurant. No, yeah. I, I wasn't going on a whale, a whale flight around. Yeah, town. yeah. Did they did they wear <laughs> did they wear a hat that said "crap on the world"? When you Google no, translated it, was, it, it was like the kind of place. It was like the kind of place that yeah. like old men were smoking cigarettes at, and that they were like out. watching that Japanese out. sports and shit. I mean, so it was like a win in Rome kind of thing. I yeah. am kind of curious how over a hundred years after the horse has been economically as important as it once was, right? And for you know, obviously, t- you know, generations and generations and generations, the horse was an important. Mm-hmm. animal for us not just culturally but like literally you know what i mean uh so like i want I, I wouldn't i don't i would never order dog because like i wouldn't i just i I, just, I know it's illogical considering that i eat other animals that are as smart as dog and as and are friendly as dogs but i just i just wouldn't enjoy eating a dog and put it that way but horse i just don't have that many feelings about i don't know you wouldn't eat horse jj I don't know. There's just some things out there. Like what I, before I eat, like what I would I eat it or would I cook it? Those are two different questions, right? You know, would you eat it? Would you cook it? Would you order it? Those are the three. Right. Que- those are the three questions. Would I cook it? Would I order it? And if someone handed it to me, would I eat it? Yeah, I mean, like I'm in Japan. Like I don't know if I'm eating horse and whale in Japan. But what if, so this is the predicament I found myself in when I was traveling in Vietnam. What if you get invited into someone's home and they serve you that kind that's of stuff? That's a whole different yeah, ball of wax. Yeah. Like you, you just, oof. That's how I ate dog. I mean, unknowingly. You know, sort of I think, three uh, different ways. Un- they unknowingly? The yeah, they didn't tell me. Like, what's the line though? Like, I don't think, like if someone, if someone was like, this is a monkey, I'd be like, oh, no, no. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, but that's sort of what this was, because like I said, it was like, it's like old place where old men were, and there was no English, no English menus, and they're just kind of randomly pointing at things, and I'm like, oh, susume, which is basically, I'll have what you would, and then yeah. that's which kind is of a like smart, the array that comes out. So. It's a good order, by the way. In general, that's the order. Yeah. I mean, I think we can all agree that right. that's what you want. Like, you know, I want whatever one, whatever you're having, that's what I want. You know what I mean? But, yeah. Right. Right. I hear that uh, the most interesting thing that happened to... Nastasia Lopez is she's basically shadow dating Paulie Shore right now. She keeps running into him at the coffee shop and whatever. It's like it's it's like it's like Nastasia Lopez takes us to the saddest show, the saddest quote unquote comedy show that's ever been done. I can't believe you're talking about this. And then like you know every time it's like oh you know. The coffee shop happens to be like an hour and a half away from where she lives, I'm sure, right? Just happens to run into Paulie Shore <laughs> there all the time. Not true. You know what I mean? Uh, no, it was two it was two different coffee shops. So uh-huh. it's weird. Okay. Same town, same 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 town. Same Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah but like it's a big place. I think the same neighborhood or what? <laughs> uh like West Hollywood, yeah, sunset. Yeah. All yeah. Right. All right. You where how, I live, where I live. You know how many times I've run into Paulie Shore? Zero. <laughs> Zero. I mean, I almost ran into him when we saw him when we were the three people at that show, that super depressing show that you took us to. <laughs> oh my god! When your crew doubles the audience, it's an issue. You know what I mean? Not of the cooking variety. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, I'm not anti Polly Shore. I'm not. I'm not anti Polly Shore. Like you are. I'm not anti Polly Shore. <laughs> he actually just misses. Like he just misses. Like when he was most popular was when I wasn't really consuming that kind of culture. 
Does that make sense? Know what I'm saying? I don't know what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, what about any, any food? What were you ordering? What? Okay. Do you go to a coffee shop because it's got the worst coffee available in the neighborhood? Because I know you. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. So this is something you must share with Pauly Shore. You're like, who has, who cares the least about the quality of this coffee? I'm going to go there and get a stale Danish. My close? <laughs> No, I just got a coffee. Like I um. just got a coffee, and then I sit and work. Oh wait, whoa, whoa! So you do like you do your coffee and your breakfast pastry in different places. You you don't like to you don't like to double that up. <clears throat> no, I do oatmeal at home. Oatmeal. Mm. I do I do coffee out so that I can sit and work for like a couple hours. You ever uh, you ever instead of oatmeal tried like maybe like uh, overnight like a uh, like a rice like a more of a rice based instead of oatmeal. No. No? no, maybe JJ um, can change your no. mind on this. Wait, wait, did I tell you what I said to him though? No. Oh, but I'm curious. I said, "Hey, I said, hey, you used to have a nice smile." <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn! Wow, wow! And everyone thinks that that's mean, and it was yes. meant in the nicest way. What's the? What is the nice One. way? What's the nice way? You used to have a nice smile. Yeah, but okay, what's he the... He had a nice smile. But... <laughs> Someone help me out here. Did he re... How did he respond Dad. back, though? Don't ask me. How did he respond back to you? Did you smile? He said, oh, thank you, thank you. And uh, then, like, yeah. Somehow, yeah, because he was dissociating. Somehow, somehow I'm depressed even more about it. I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, somehow I feel even worse. I don't know if... I didn't know that was possible, but... Thanks. Uh, sp- <laughs> speaking of uh, uh, next week, uh, speaking of next week, we have Han from Cato, uh, where she's doing so, some fabulous non-alc work there. She won uh, bartender, what, be- like best bartender in the universe, 2023 or something like this? How does it work? Uh, one of the best new bartenders for uh, Punch Mag. All right, right. Punch, uh, oh my, I heard a funny story. So yesterday I was doing... Um, I had to, Robert Simonson came out with his like was it like thirty third book this year something like that he yeah. comes out with like literally like the way that like you know some people cook dinner man writes books anyway so like I was in this book <laughs> and uh, on like encyclopedia cocktails and so like because I was in the book he wrangled me to do cocktails at Porchlight yesterday I did for any of you that went to my old bar Booker and Dax uh, I did a drink that was on the opening menu uh, called First Date which was with uh, Elijah Craig which I think is still a good I think it's a good value in. In uh, bourbon. And yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Your bar was solid. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Um, so, anyways, so I did uh, that. And, oh, and we were, and then I also did an event for Campari same day. So I can't really, you know, Heaven Hill and Campari, you don't really mention them in the same, you know what I'm saying? You, know, you just did, though. I did, though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's the end of old fashioned week. So that's why, like, uh, you know, anyway, whatever. So, like, I was talking about it, and they were saying, this is going back to Punch, that this guy used to try to break into. Um, so, when you sign up for an event, let's say, you, let's say you're going to pretend to be a bartender and you're going to sign up for a bartender outreach program, they're usually limited, right? Because that's how they work. So, it's like, and same with chefs, when they have chef things, right? Like, you know, they sign up, like, I used to do Gohan. Did you ever do any of those old Gohan Society things back in the day? I know you're talking about no. But yeah, I never did oh, those. they were sick. If you could get into that, I got into it because I was working at the French Culinary. So, like, they would, like, invite me, but then they get, like, these awesome Japanese chefs do amazing demos with, with everything, with fish. And so I used to go, but people would try to weasel their way into it. So this one guy who was trying to weasel his way into one of these events, like, I don't know, I didn't know this was a thing, but the person who was vetting was looking up 
like their social accounts to see whether or not they were legit or not. And this guy was only posting s- s- rando stuff and then racist stuff, right? So they were like, the guy was like, where do you work? He's like, I write for Punch. He's like, what have you written? He's like, well, I submit articles to Punch. So not yeah, so Punch, like I, cause I was like, he's no way he writes for Punch because Punch is a legitimate thing. I like Punch. Yeah. Legitimate folk. Yeah. I don't always agree with them. But legitimate folk. Uh, what about you, John? Anything in the world of food? Um, I think I'm going to be switching up the food menu at Temperance to have it be more Belgian, which I'm kind of excited oh. about. Oh! So, yeah, thank you. It's going to be exciting. Going back to your roots! Exactly. exactly. Okay, okay, you know what? You spend all this time being freaking like, you know, like, love the Belgian. You, you love Belgian stuff. Why not be more Belgian? Exactly. So Are you, you going to, you want to buy my waffle iron? It can be upgraded to 220. I, I mean, it oh. can be upgraded to 220. So if Ray Waffles, Ray Waffles, I told you this, Ray Waffles was extremely sick with the COVID. I have not reached out to him since the pandemic. But if Ray Waffles is still alive, you can convert my waffle iron to 220. He said okay. he could do it for like 300 bucks. Oh. Ray you're, Waffles. You're trying to get rid of your waffle iron? I have a 90. Okay. So my, my kid, Booker, who still lives with me, doesn't eat waffles. My other son, who's like waffles, is like he's already in college. I have a 90-pound, like I have God's waffle iron, 90 pounds of it sitting on my counter eating up space. I don't have a lot of room, and I don't make enough waffles to justify owning that waffle iron. Would you replace it with a beautiful rice cooker? I already have a beautiful rice cooker. My rice cooker, though, is 20-something years old. Every once in a while, it dies. And so, like, I unplug it and I put it in, like, a place of honor and I wait for, like, a week to see whether or not it'll come back to life. And the two times that I have done it, it has come back to life. I have, like, a <laughs> I have a 20-something-year-old Zojirushi, like, one of the first, like, neurofuzzy induction ones. And um, the, the, the pot is, like, the, the tef... The, fake Teflon coating is all mm-hmm. coming off. And so everyone's like, you need to replace that pot. I'm like, nope. It's like $150 just replaced the pot and they haven't made my model in like a million years. And so like, I'm like, you know what? I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about it. You know what I'm saying? I love that thing. And I like that you like rice cookers too. Yeah, now, I got 10 times. You're cooking rice 10 times. How many of those times is a rice cooker? In your real life at home. I'm cooking rice 10 times. You're 10 times. How many of those 10 times are you in a pot on the stove, and how many of those times are you in a rice cooker? Me? Yeah. I'm probably eight times on the stove, two times in a rice cooker. Really? Yeah. Do you ever cook it in the stove and then use the keep warm in the rice cooker just so that it stays? Yes. Mm. Keep warm on the rice cooker is a genius thing. I I use a lot of things in the keep warm in the rice cooker because I have young kids, so it's like pop it there. It's like my holding. Yeah. Area rice cookers, I, I love it because it's super versatile. You can do a lot in there. Are you all, what? What brand are you? You also Zojirushi or no? I do have Zojirushi. Yeah, they're good. They're great. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I played around with a lot of rice cookers lately. Like I played around with very cheap thirty four dollar rice cookers. I played around with uh, the Korean brand. I can't think of the name right now. Played around with them. Great rice cooker. Um, but yeah, I've had this one for four years. It's been great. Yeah. I, uh, if I was going to get another one, I don't even know whether it's worthwhile, but I kind of want the one that has like the light pressure setting. I don't even know what I want it no, for. I don't even know for. what I want it for. I have no idea, JJ. I just kind of like, there's like, oh, you can do that? And I was like, I want it. You know what I mean? <laughs> 
I don't figure out something I can use it for. I don't know. So when I first started um, with the the company who makes the, uh, makes centrifuges, so the company mm-hmm. that makes these centrifuges, the the factory that makes it, they also make some extremely high end rice cookers. Like these rice cookers are like they're not like a couple hundred dollars. Like they're like seven eight hundred dollar rice cookers, but they're not available in the U S. And they have like incredible pots, like pots that like you would bring to the table, like just mm. nuts. And I was like, I don't know if it's going to make the rice any better. And I'm definitely don't have 220. So I'm not, you know what I mean? Dave, he can, he can convert it to 220 for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, so like I almost considered, so get this. So, uh, oh, so uh, I'll ask you a question about the book. So when you're doing arancini, which you say you do a lot for your family, mm-hmm. Uh, I forget who in your family really likes the arancini. Is your wife likes the arancini? My wife loves arancini. Yeah, yeah. Because you know why? They taste good. That's the thing. Yeah, <laughs> right. And so you do uh, you do a mix of uh, mushrooms and goat cheese in with the rice and then a fontina cube in the middle, some breadcrumbs in the rice, roll it in breadcrumbs. Am I good so far? You're great. You're okay. great. So then, uh, uh, but you do a... It's not like it's shallow, shallow fry, but it's not a deep fry either. It's kind of like a halfway up the ball fry. Yeah, and yeah. the cast iron. Right. So um, is is the advantage of that for you just that you just don't have to use as much oil? Or even if you had a deep fryer, would you do it that, that way? I think when you're at home, frying makes people nervous. Right. So my wife is like, okay, the whole house is going to smell like oil. I love this. How can you make it happen? So the shallow or the semi-shallow fry works. If I had a deep fryer, electric deep fryer on the countertop, I would use it for a lot of things yeah. um, and just drop those bad boys in and it'd be really quickly. But I do like the way it comes out, rotating them and staying with them on the stovetop. Um, and then you don't have too much oil to throw away or you can use it again for something else. But do you think that the, do you think that the, the, the end result is roughly similar when you do it that way versus like, let's say you're at work and you're going to drop it into a deep fryer? Hmm. Do you have deep fryers at work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, you know why? They're awesome. I would say the, the, the great thing about the deep fryers is they're going to fry evenly around together at the same time. This, when you're, sh- when you're doing the, sh- the semi-shallow fry, you have to, I do the counting method or I put a, a clock on to make sure I'm frying it evenly on both sides. Yeah. Um, so I would say that's the disadvantage. You know what I, whenever I'm even, even deep frying, like stuff that floats, that's round, I hate it when, okay, Let's say you're doing something like this, right? And you mm-hmm. put it in, and the bottom sets, but because it's moist, that the top part that's out of the oil slightly inflates. Yes. And now I can't flip it over anymore because as soon as you flip it over, it flips right back up the other side again. So then you got to start using a spoon to. Hit I it know. On top of it. Is there a way other than just using something to weight it down, which is what I do when I deep fry? I, I always have like you know like fish racks, and I mm-hmm. boom, I drop them on top of my stuff to keep them under. Is there, like, if I, if I spin it before it sets, can I stop that from happening? Is there any way to stop that from happening? Shallow is a good way because it's actually resting on the bottom. It's going to stay where it's put. Yeah, I was going to say probably you need less oil. Yeah. So then when you flip it, 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 can't, it can't flip back over. It's just going to stay right down there and deflate and fry. Yeah. yeah so maybe this is actually a point where the shallow fly, fry is actually helping you because you can <laughs> rotate it. <laughs> Unless you have a deep fryer with with the grate on top, like which is what I 100% of the time do when I'm deep frying. Do you have 220 in your house? 
Yeah, I got 220. Okay. If you have 220 in your house, Dave got Dave gave a shoulder shrug, 220 shoulder shrug. <laughs> if you if you're going to do it, if you're going to do it, if you get, I don't have 220 cuz I live in an apartment building that's wired from the 50s and I don't have 220 and I can't have it it's thousands. I asked thousands and thousands of dollars. I have to I have to pay off everyone between me and the main breaker panel to run wires through their house to get to my thing and plus I have to pay a real electrician to do it because I can't do it myself. Thousands. I can't do it. I didn't say that it was done properly in my New York City apartment. Uh, it's fine, man. It's fine. I'm, I'm just, you know, whatever. I'm jealous. Whenever I say things, it's because I'm jealous. But the point is, is that you then, if you have 220, I highly recommend you buy the Belgian fryer. Going back to John's thing, because they have a three kilowatt home fryer that's less than like oh, less than $150 on Amazon dot whatever it is. BE. Really? Yeah. And it, you just, all you gotta do is chop it off and put it on a US 220 plug, plug it in. And it's the same size as our crappy 1700 watt things that choke. Cause I've been testing it. Cause I was, before I was working again on my cocktail book, I was working on a cooking book. So I was doing a lot of frying cause I, my culinary life growing up, I fry. I'm a frying guy. Gotcha. I had a deep fryer in my house for 20 years, like a commercial 40-pounder in my house. I had to get rid of it because the hood didn't work as well in my new apartment. So I took it. I For a while, I had hold a place. On, hold, on, hold on, hold on. Dave, he said he was going to bring, he, brought, he tried to bring the 40-gallon fryer to his New York City apartment. Where, what kind of apartment do you live well, in? Well, I had it. I had it in <laughs> my apartment. Oh. In, but then I moved apartments and my extraction wasn't as good. But basically, all I cared about I was frying. Come, I got to come see this. Here's what I did. I bought, well, I don't have it anymore. So I bought my fryer. I bought my fryer in an auction. Okay. Right? In like 2000, in like, two, it was before 9-11. All right. So I bought it at like at an auction in a snowstorm, which is a great time to go to a restaurant mm -hmm. auction because nobody goes out. The equipment dealers, like that crazy guy, Avi, who always buys the thing that you want, that guy. And, you know what I mean? Like, and, but in auctions, it's you pay now, you take now. Pay now, take now. Like, no choices. So I, I, I brought a handcart with me. And I handcarted it from right by the World Trade Center up to my 38th Street loft. And in a loft, it's easy, right? We were, you know, I mean, we were stealing gas. I tried to get hooked up legit, but whatever. This is before gas was a thing here. Right. You know what I mean? Anyway, so I hooked it up. And then when I moved to my apartment downtown, because my kid was too old to live in a loft anymore, the way we were illegally, uh, I, my, I built a hood. Hood in quotes, air quotes, not safe. I don't recommend anyone listening build their own hood. And uh, yeah, I fried for years and years there too. I almost built a hood in my kitchen though, like in my apartment because we live on the wall. It goes to the outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like I can run this pipe and then cut it in and slide it. Wait, you cut a hole? Do you? No, 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 I didn't do this. I was going to have somebody do it for me because uh -huh. it was like I'm tired of smoking out my apartment. Yeah. And then I was like, yeah, I'll probably cut this hole. And next thing I know, I have like raccoons rolling in. You know, somebody was like, who, who do you call that? You call the super? Like, I got to call back the guy that put it in for me. So this is before I had kids. And uh, yeah, you got to do that. You got to do it. You got to do it. <laughs> like, listen, it's like, uh, no, you just get a little. Okay. The reason I don't recommend it on the air is because somebody's going to do something effed up and burn their house down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so, sorry, Dave. I can't allow that. Right. So I, I don't, I don't. Like, especially, like, the older I get, the more I realize, like, how close I've come to, like, really getting effed up with some of the stuff that I do. I don't recommend it to other people. But you should totally put a good hood in. Anyway, so get the, yeah, get this Belgian fryer because it's three kilowatts instead of 1,700 because there's 1,700-watt fryers. It's, like, it's great if you want to make one piece of chicken. Who wants one piece of chicken? 
Nobody. Nobody. And then you have to sit there and put it in a keep warm forever. Hell with that. Speaking of frying, you know what's something? Every year for the past like 15 years, except for like one or two years, I have to go to New Orleans for this conference, right? Mm-hmm. Cocktail conference. I've been there a zillion times. You know what I've never had? Kalas. Oh. So talk to me about it. Like, how did I miss it? Where should I get it? You know, I, I think it's I think it's one of those things that are lost. So Kalas is in New Orleans. Um, it's an item that would be eaten for breakfast with your leftover rice and then fried, super delicious cinnamon, nutmeg, all those flavors in it. And I think everybody, when they go to New Orleans or Louisiana, they're like, I got to get a beignet, I got to get a beignet. And they forget about everything else. But I think that's the most beautiful thing with rice is that rice is so layered in history that you start to learn about places around the world that you never, nobody taught you this. And I learned a lot about, about callous women would have it in their heads and, you know, walking around in the morning time, selling it to people going to work, or if you were coming out of the club or during jazz fest. So I don't, I was down there for essence festival and I was looking for it and I couldn't find it. People tell me you can probably find somebody like really, really early in the morning. Um, but I went to Essence Festival, like, that was that year, like, right after the pandemic. I'm sure you could probably get it now, but you got to get up early, five, probably, like, 5 a.m. to catch it. Yeah, you know, uh, I don't get the beignets because it's the powdered sugar. I like it, but then I always inhale when I'm eating them, and I choke. And then it's all over my clothes because I'm messy. Yeah. Yes. But the collars don't have that much. They don't, it's not, like, hyper sugar, right? No, no, I mean, if you, you can put it, you can put some, like, hit it with a little powdered sugar, but you don't have to have the powdered sugar on Right, crispy outside, soft yeah, inside. Yeah, 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 really, yeah, really good. All right, so that's, like, that's when I was like, oh, man, I feel so stupid. Uh, speaking of that, but that's a long grain rice, though, right? Mm-hmm. Right, so uh, interesting, like... Um, like from the Delta. Yeah, so some of the, like, like recipes that I thought were interesting, like, you do a... So, again, the book is Simple Art of Rice, and for those of you that, like... Why don't you give the pitch on the book since it, since you wrote it? <laughs> the, the book's called Simple Art Rice came out October, uh, September twelfth, and um, basically it's it's a book that can help will help you cook rice. It will make your rice life easier. Oh, I like that rice. So it's not. Don't think of it as like oh I can't make all these chef driven rice recipes. It's like the book first starts off with like how you cook long grain, how you cook short grain, how you cook medium grain. Um, with what my what my ratio is to rice, water ratio is to rice, and then as you master that, then you can get into these other rice dishes. But they start off pretty easy, everyday rice, you know, um, that takes you all the way to celebrations and dessert. And the head notes will take you on a journey where that rice is from, the origin, who the people are, why it's delicious. Um, and that's what a lot of the stories do, too. We interview people like David Chang, Dr. Jessica Harris, rice researchers, Glenn, Glenn Roberts from Anson Mills, to tell these other stories. So it's not just me telling you that rice is the greatest ingredient. Right. It's these other people also letting you know, like, oh, I am connected to rice. And, it, and for me, what the book does, I think it's a thing that can connect us all. Right? Rice is that ingredient that can really connect people because it could teach you about um, it could teach you about a region, could teach you about people or history um, by just that one rice dish. If it's eating biryani or if it's having perlu or if it's eating gumbo um, or realizing that wild rice is rice, um, all well, these I mean, things. I mean, like, you eat it like rice. No, it is rice. I mean, it's not the same genus. It's the grass. Yeah, yeah, it's grass for sure. Yeah. Uh, all right, so a couple of things to get out of the way early. 
before I even start talking about, um, well, I'll say this first. Like, uh, <clears throat> what I like about it is, one of the things I like about it is that um, there are, like, a bunch of recipes for day-old rice. There's a bunch of recipes for, like, rice. In other words, like, anytime you would use rice or have rice, whether it <laughs> already be cooked or not cooked, it's, it's there. Like, when there are beans, sometimes you're going to use a canned bean, sometimes you're going to use a dried bean, and I'm guessing, like, a lot of times you would let people be a little bit flexible. So Correct. it's, like, it's more about building rice into the way you th- think about what you're doing and not worrying about having it left over because you know you can use it the next day in X, Y, or Z. Would that be... That was great. And I think a lot of people don't realize, like, they always have leftover rice, and they're like, ah, oh, what am I going to do with this rice? I already made my rice dish for the week, but it's like, no, you can make a rice salad. You can put in your waffles. Yeah. You could do so much with it. You could drop it in your soup. And that's what we, that's what I teach you in the book is like, you want to have leftover rice so that you can do more with the rice. And it ma- that's why I say it makes your life easier because I mean, when I cook rice, I'm cooking two cups or four cups of rice. I always have some leftover that I'm doing something with it the next day or, or two days later. Now, question for you. Uh, when you say cup, you mean cup, not a rice cup, 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 real, like you at eight ounce cup, eight ounce cup. Yeah. Not like the Zoshirushi cup. No. See, my mind has been poisoned by the Zoshirushi corporation <laughs> to think that a cup is that a cup of water is still a cup of water. First of all, my mind only thinks in MLs and grams. Right. Unfortunately, I've been Europeified by folks like him and by working at the French Culinary Institute for years. I mean, it is a better system for cooking, but uh, in terms of rice, I still think of liquid in terms of like cups, but I think of rice cups in terms of that, uh, you know, whatever the Japanese measure is. I never really used it. I kind of was like, okay, whatever this is, I'll turn it to the side. And you actually like the finger trick. It makes me so nervous. I will never do it. Why? I don't know. It works. Try it. Tell me. You you describe what what I'm talking about. I mean, that's why I don't, when you're like, do you measure rice? I'm like, okay, rice doubles in size. Most people don't realize that. And you need a, a a large enough pot or your rice cooker to make sure that the rice can grow. It's going to grow double that size. So before you put your rice in, if it has enough room to grow double the size of what it is, you're good. And that's why the finger trick works. So you put the two cups or the four cups in, you put your finger on top of the rice, you bring it to the top of your first knuckle on your, on your third finger, and um, you put the top on. You let it medium heat, and it'll be good. It'll be ready in about twenty-two minutes. It just give me so much agita, man. Because <laughs> it, 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 here's the thing: it's like okay, 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 okay. So like, I'm like, because whenever I think about it, like, okay, you're like, it doesn't matter how big your hands are. I'm like, fine, that's good. I guess it's all like roughly same, whatever, whatever. whatever yeah. yeah. Anyway, but I'm like, well, if the pan is wider, then, but like. But then, if the pan is wider, you do need more water because more crap's going to evaporate off the top of the pan. Correct. So I don't know, like, I don't know whether all the variables are actually going to always add up. And you're telling me just don't worry about don't it. Don't worry about it. And maybe that makes my life better in the long run, but I'm not about my life so being good. So you do good. two to one? I, I, I don't know. I don't, I, I have it all written down somewhere. I've done all these things. And I'm just, an, it just, it just, again, like, I'm not, most of the time, actually, I am, I'm using, like, a, I'll do, like, open, I'll do, open pot for a long time and reduce flavors down. Most of the time I'm cooking with stock. Okay. You know, when I'm cooking white rice or brown rice, when I'm using non-flavored rice dishes, mm-hmm. I'm usually using whatever the Zoshirushi is telling me to do. Telling me to do. Like a yeah, I just, I just try to make it. I'm, 
It is a big debate during the process of the book. People like recipe testers before they even tested the recipes were like, oh, nah, you, you don't have two to one. Two to one what? Yeah, yeah. Water. No, nobody cooks rice two to one. That is wrong. You're getting mushy rice. All right. Or you're gonna, or you're gonna, the rice is gonna stick together. That's why people don't like the rice when they're eating it because it's like, why is it, why is it sticking to my hand? Why right. can I throw it against the wall? You want it to be. For me, I believe rice should be like pearls. It should separate. When you're cooking jasmine, long grain, California grain, Carolina gold, uh, Delta rice. Blue Moon, New Jersey rice, whatever it might be. I'm not talking box rice here. What about New Jersey rice? Tell me about that. Oh, Blue Moon is beautiful. Never. It, what? It's a. I mean, Dan Barber introduced me to Blue Moon. Um, I didn't even know there was a rice far, grower in New Jersey, <clears throat> and they are. They are not using the flood method. They're uh, they're revitalizing crops, and hu- the north the northeast used to grow a lot of rice years ago, and then it stopped. So Hudson Valley, Martha's Vineyard, New Jersey used to grow tons of rice. And then that rice crop kind of started that those that moved into like Arkansas, who produces the most rice in the world. So yeah, really? Yeah. They produce the most rice in, in the country. No. They even make they even make rice for sake growers. Really? Mhm. So like they make good rice. No. Oh. So you're saying the sake people are using some I'm not saying that they are not, but that that method in Arkansas is that flood method. Right, right, right. Which a lot of people are asking them, a lot of those rice farmers to stop doing that because it's tied to climate change. Like, you know, at Anson Mill, they were pioneering that. Correct. Yeah. Uh, All right. Wait, where was? Okay. So another thing that you mentioned in your your rice stuff, and this is another thing that makes me incredibly nervous, and it goes back to like years ago when... um, what was that? What was a uh, what was Rich and uh, Jeremy's Koji book called again? Koji Alchemy. Koji Alchemy. Yeah. Koji Alchemy. So Koji Alchemy came out, and Lemansky uh, uh, was on the Jeremy Lansky was on the on, and he's like, yeah, I cook all of my rice in hotel pans in the oven. And I was like, oh! But then you have like a you actually like can you actually make as good a rice in the oven as you can in a pot on the stove? Yeah, what rice pilaf? Rice pilaf made in the oven. Right? I don't. I mean, like just regular though, like regular right white, like just make it like rice. I don't know. It just makes me nervous. You like the we oven do method? It. We could. You could. I, I mean, I do the. I think the reason why I included the oven method was like some people cook so much on the on the stovetop, like thinking about Thanksgiving, and you're like, oh my god, I'm gonna make rice. I'm gonna make rice. I'm gonna make rice. You can now go to the oven, and you can wrap it tight. Just Plastic wrap, aluminum foil, and cooking in the oven. It's something we do at Filter when those combi ovens aren't working. Right. Well, <laughs> listen, I guess my, my, rea- my reaction was because I think, I'm pretty sure, I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure he comes from a similar, like, brigade cooking background that you, you know, come from, right. from you know, um, you know education-wise, culinary education-wise. And if you were taught by, unless it's one of a very few French people, if you were taught that old French way of, like, like a lot of water in like a pan in the oven it's just gonna be an, I mean that's just like come on man right I mean like at the at it's this, not my go to method yeah 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 but no, it is a method right right but I mean like yeah you know what I mean like dry on top and wet on the bottom if you do it wrong if you do it wrong yeah but I'm not telling in this book, I'm, I'm not, not telling you right here in this book to do it wrong now I'm not saying that I'm not saying that uh alright so uh what am I missing? Oh, yeah. You grew up in the Poconos. Yes, I grew up in Poconos. So, like, Northeast PA. Although, like, it's so weird. Like, you go from Long Island to the Poconos. Those are two separate groups of people, yeah? Very two. Maybe, maybe, yeah, two separate groups of people, yeah. My grandfather was in World War II, and he, uh, 
He said he couldn't afford the taxes anymore. Mm. Sold his house really quickly, and that one house became three homes in the Poconos. And we lived, so it was my mom, my parents. Around the corner was my Aunt Lisa and Uncle Donald. And then around the corner was my grandfather and my grandmother. And at her house, at my grandparents' house, my mom would drop us off before she went to work. She was a school teacher. My dad would drive to New York City. I don't know. He's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. And um, that house was filled with my two great aunts, my grandfather, my grandmother, and they would just cook all day and have a blast. Yeah. And so, uh, well, you describe it in the book. I don't, I won't spoil it too much, but like until you were seven, you like the family had this like Sunday tradition of yeah. dinners with your with your grandma, and then you know when she passed. You, you do, you already kind of, I guess she, your nickname was fish. Yeah. My uncle Donald gave me fish. I, I'm a very good swimmer. Yeah. You so, still go by fish with some people at your family? It, yes. Actually this weekend I was with some of them and my, uh, my uncle's brother was like, fish, what's up? I was like, oh, oh hey, yeah, what's going yeah, on? Yeah. But you know, everybody has like these kid nicknames. That yeah. 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 You're still a kid to, to the adults. It doesn't matter how old you get. <laughs> you know, I've never had, I've had epithets stick to me, but I've never had a nickname stick to me. Uh, it's weird. Anyway, um, so for those of you that don't know New York area, right, there are a couple of, like, well-known nice places that people would go who are from the New York area. So there's, like, the upstate New York Catskilly people. There's the, like, outer Long Island kind of people. And then there's, like, Poconos kind of people, and there are, like, three different directions to go, right? <laughs> and um, my mom actually wasn't any of those. Like, she, we used to just only go in the summer. She, we, we would go up the Cape. She was more like a, a like okay. coastal kind of, but not Long Island coastal, like, more, anyway, whatever. So I never went to the Poconos. You never went to Heart-Shaped um, no. bathtub? No, and, like, so, like, but I grew up watching, you know, New York. TV, and so if for anyone who like grew up watching New York TV back in the day, we we knew about the everyone knew about the Poconos and beautiful Mount Airy Lodge. I knew you were going. I knew you were going there. Beautiful Mount Airy Lodge. Yeah, uh, what? It's epic. That song. Have is you ever like, been? Of course. My high school is right down the street from it. No way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What was it like? Uh, the beautiful Mount Airy Lodge. Yeah, yeah. I was when I when we went. It was towards the end of like the Mount Airy Lodge days. Like when you were a young kid. You knew about Mount Airy Lodge. It's not a place you would go to. I mean, they say Frank Sinatra sang there. Like, I mean, it's sure. freaking crazy. Um, but then in high school, when we would be done with high school, we'd go there and play basketball or go ice skating. It was a place that's legendary. Now it's a casino. It's, it's still They brought it back. Oh, they did? They same, same building, same all that? Same kind of building. I think they added on to it, took some stuff off. But yeah, they brought it back. There's a casino there now. I hear some of the bathrooms have... Heart-shaped tubs, what it was known for, um, but yeah, we would go there. We would get kicked out as kids. Like, like after that. a while, they figure out that we weren't staying there, and then we would get kicked out. What's it like growing up in like vacation land? Like, is it pretty? Like, so I've been to like Delaware Water Gap area, mm -hmm. but I've never like that's different from like that's the different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, you got to go 20, 20 minutes more. Like I lived in the heart. Like I lived in Mount Pocono. Many people will say this area is the Pocono. Scranton, Pennsylvania is not the Poconos. Yeah. Wilkesbury is not the Poconos. Why is Scranton the Electric City? Hello. I have no idea. <laughs> We're sorry for everybody from Scranton. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the Poconos, you know, yes, when I grew up there, when, I mean, that where my parents still live there now, the, the, the street is full, filled with houses of, I don't think people are vacationing there, but yeah, I mean, Billy came up on the weekends from Philadelphia, Tommy was from New York, Staten Island, with his seven dogs that he would roll with, uh, Tony Cole, like, I know every, you know, 
And you would four-wheel, you would play hoops. Some people were gun owners and they would shoot guns. I mean, I remember my first time shooting a gun at a young age, coming home telling my parents I shot a gun and my dad went and knocked on that person's oh, door man. and I never went back oh, there ever again. Um, but it is a different life, different life. So I think I loved living in the Poconos because it kind of rounded me out. Like I was very close to nature. Uh, I was very close to climate. Um, also, you was you couldn't like if you got in trouble, it's because you did something dumb. Um, and you really were close with people because where where you would hang out were at people's homes. So yeah, you would hang out at Paul Calavito's home or Matthew Davis. So I talk about in the book going to his house. Um, as a kid and eating Korean rice and it being the best rice that I ever had. And his mom, like telling my mother, like, Oh, he could come always come over here and eat the rice with us. Um, but it was great. I think it's changed though. You know, after nine 11, the Pocono shifted after the pandemic, it shifted. I think in five years, like I go there now, there's so many developers there. There's so many indoor water parks, I oh, like that lone wolfy stuff. Yeah, like whatever that's gonna, called. Yeah, Camelback. Like yeah. I used to work there. Like you're gonna see a huge change. You gonna open something out there? I think the I would. I probably would. my my mom is like on me about opening a field trip out there. Um, I would open up a full service restaurant out there, but the the liquor license is so hard to get. Like oh, it's okay. county it's by control, county, control oh, state, yeah, and all yeah. that. If oh. you own a liquor license. Your goal? You could sell it for like $2 million. Let me ask you this though. Like, is it the kind of situation where there you're allowed to like, just like pay someone to be your quote unquote partner and all you're doing is just giving them some like, well, that's what a lot of people are trying to do now. They're, they're like, okay, Hey, I'm, and they're putting it in like these develop, like the whole, they're building hotels so they can have multiple <laughs> restaurants. And then that person that owns a liquor license is a partner yeah. and that, and this is going from generation to extortion. Generation. I hate oh, this crap. Yeah. I don't, I don't get it either. Uh, oh, I so, uh, you mentioned field trip. Why don't we talk about the, oh, by the way, do you like, um, you like pictures of cute kids at your restaurant or you hate it? Pictures of cute kids? At your restaurant. I yeah. got one of our listeners. Why not? Oh well, yeah. All right. How about that? This is from Vengroff. Question for JJ. Uh, what is your preferred method of rinsing rice? Do you rinse once or twice and call it good? Or do you go on and on until the water is actually crystal clear? It's never crystal clear, though. Come on, let's be honest. It's never crystal clear. No, it's not crystal clear, but until the water's clear. Yeah. And how much do you alter or even skip the rinsing process based on how you'll be cooking the rice? P.S. My daughter and I love Field Trip. We have been going since you first opened. Whenever we are... Uh, wherever we are in or anywhere near Harlem, she insists we stop in. So there's at your at your. Oh, place. I love that. Listen, I I do love when I see the kids. Show the picture. I what? Oh, to where? To what? That camera right what there. What the hell, man? <laughs> it's not a good printout. Apologize. <laughs> I do love when the kids, when the parents come with the kids, and the kids are eating field trip. It makes me believe that the brand will be around for a long time. Um, like when I see high school kids eating at field trip, I'm like, ooh, you eating at field trip. Or tourist kids in Rock Center eating a field trip, uh, but yes, we rinse the rice always. Well, except for in the risottos that you say. No, yeah, yeah, no risotto, sticky rice. I tell you to soak overnight if you can. But like, if you're cooking, just call it like steam, like not steam rice, but a pot of rice. I recommend you rinse it to the water looks clear. Yeah, I'm. That's another one that gives me, because okay, you do it smart in a colander. Yeah. So you can lift it out. Mm -hmm. I do it dumb. And you go like this? Yes. I do it like that sometimes too, but yeah. when you're in a rush. But I think... I, like I, what I'll do is I'll fill up the thing and then I'll swish, yep. swish my hand in and then I'll, and I'll pour it off. But when you do that, it's never clear. Do, yeah, you, like yeah. the re, do you like the pre-rinse stuff? I don't ever use no, it. No, there's no such thing as pre-rinse. You know what I'm talking about. That I know you're talking if about. If I never use it. 
I just don't think like even if like Char here, here I'm gonna ask you a question. Do you eat the pre-rinsed, uh, the pre-five-time wash mixed greens right out the box? Hell no. Okay, so that's what I want people to understand. It's like you, the rice is grown in the farm. <laughs> yeah. There's dirt. There's transportation. Like if you don't want to wash it till the water runs clear, it's cool. Just wash it one time yeah, and yeah. then cook your rice. Does Does anybody Does anybody think that it's okay to eat those greens out of the bag? Oh, a lot of people do. All right. Okay, so uh, you, you've just done a you've just done a public service, JJ. Because like, here's what I want everyone to do. Uh, because he, no matter how long that bag sits in the shelf, it it it's there. It and so like, I've opened so many bags of those things, and you smell it, and it's got that little bit of swamp. Yeah, yeah. So you got to pick through it, get rid of the swampy ones, wash that off. Come on, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, I did it with spinach yesterday. I cracked it open, I washed it out. I was like prep cooking. I was like um. I call it like I'm a prep cook for my kids, mm. like and I'm like picking through the spinach that I'm about to saute because it's swampy and I literally just got it two days ago. Yeah, um, so can't you, trust yeah, it. No, you can't trust it. I mean, so like you know, we had uh, the we had uh, the crew from uh, you know that show Risky or Not, that podcast Risky or Not. No, it's good. So the the premise of the show is that people ask them not like they won't tell you is this safe because that's not what they do, but right. they're like you know they're food scientists, right? Uh, and so. But they're like, is this risky? Would you eat this or not? And so, like, I asked them about the greens. They're like, yeah, it's not risky. But I was like, yeah, but it's not good. Either. Hold on. They, we see this happen every year, though. This is the problem. All of a sudden, there's a salmonella outbreak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, my God, where'd it come from? Where'd it come from? Always the romaine. It's the it's the romaine or the mixed greens that, that are saying six, seven times, 12 times wash. And it's like, you got to walk, like... You, you gotta wash the 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 the, the vegetables. John Amazing. Oliver just covered this on last week tonight on Sunday. Oh, what do you yeah. say? Did he I agree mean, with us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's a, so like I tell people, you gotta wash the rice. And I actually let go of a recipe tester because she was arguing with me during the cooking process. That was like, well, the bag doesn't say to rinse the rice. I was like, oh, well, God, it doesn't matter. The recipe, the recipe it's test. My re yeah, yeah. What are you saying? I'm like, you're not the right person for this job. Okay. Thank you very much. May I ask you, uh, 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 if you don't want to answer this, don't answer this. But I'm curious because like with the cocktail stuff, I, I just make it a billion times. And a lot of the you know ones I've had, like the recipes from bars, right? Mm -hmm. So like it's still good to get people to make them who aren't bartenders, Correct. but whatever. How expensive is it? To, because I'm sure there's somebody listening who's going to have this question. How expensive is it to get, like, recipe tested? Oh, it's crazy. Like, I don't think people really realize how much is a, a cookbook or beverage book, how much, how many people are involved. So, like, Danica's the co-writer, so it's me and her. There's, there was two recipe writers for this book, like, to because I really wanted them to be where people can feel comfortable making it at home. Then there was two recipe testers because there's the debate about the water and the rice and the texture. So there was one recipe tester, then once another recipe tester, then there's an then there's a co uh, copy editor, right? And then there's a bunch of other people. There's a designer of the book. There's a bunch of other people in between. There's a lot of people. If you put if you want to put out like a really premier book or something very thoughtful, so and you got to run it like you run a business. You know, I say it all the time. Like if you have a cookbook deal, it's like being a musical artist. Like they upfronted you the money. Yeah. Now you got to figure out how to make the money. Right, but yeah, they don't pay for anything. They just <laughs> no, upfront right, the, the money upfront and then the money. Yeah. you got to do the budget and stuff costs more than what somebody told you it was going to cost and Night, all nightmare, that stuff. Nightmare. Uh, yeah, it's like I was like, this is so much money. If someone was on the show. I forget who it was who did cookbooks, and so she 
her fan base basically tests for her. I'm like, that's genius. Well, a lot of people do that. They'll tell their their other friends test or fan base test. Um, Was I, that uh, Katie Parler? No, I think I don't. I don't think she was totally self-funded. We got to have her back on because I want to see whether she ended up making more money. She self-funded her whole book. How did you do? I mean, she has a really big fan base and like her, her book's really pretty. Like she's a machine, man. So she came in. I forget the name. It was, it was, the, it was cooking of the Italian islands, all the okay. Italian islands. And it looked gorgeous, right? Gorgeous. So she hired this like because she paid for everything, right? So she hired a, a photographer. I forget their name. And I was like, and it, the book looks like it took months to shoot. Like yours looks like it took months and months to shoot, right? Because it's all different places mm-hmm. and different stuff, different food. Uh, you know, you have like illustrations. Like, so it looks like it took, you know, but like, uh, I was like, how long does it shoot? She's like, week and a half. I was like, what? Like all over Italy, like a travel book she did in like a week and a half. Remember Is that, it that blue book? Yeah. Is it that blue book? Uh, the, the, I don't know. It was really pretty. The, and the picture was really pretty. And it was self-funded. Completely self-funded. Like... Completely self on itself published. It's a little pain for like uh, what's it called? Things like this because it's harder to get copies because mm-hmm. you don't have like a, right, know, right, a right, publisher right. who's exactly. just sending crap out. But you know, but I'm I really want to have her back. I on. do think a model though for me not to go off topic here, but on the on the book side or even the TV side or on podcast side is like really getting investors against what you can do, right? Like if you're going to get an investor, you say I'm going to write my book, and then you're doing the deal with the cookbook with, with Macmillan or Flatiron Random House, like, oh, the book's done already. Do you guys want to publish it? And how, here's the book. How much you want to pay me for the book? Right, right. Right, I think there's a new, there's going to I think we're going to see a lot of that. So you'll see some self-funded stuff that then are getting picked up by, by big uh, book houses. Yeah, I mean, she, I, she did everything, including the printing. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm super curious. Also, uh, we're going to run out. I have a bunch of questions to ask you. Uh, so you actually like sporks. It actually makes sense for rice stuff, but I don't like eating like things that I actually want to stab with a yeah, spork. Yeah, I like, I like a spork. Cause the debate about it, like what's the best way to eat rice with a fork or with a fork or a spoon? So a spork works. Yeah. Also, speaking of debates, uh, you uh, did not wish to get into a fight about uh, jollof rice, which I appreciate. So instead, you went like third part, like a different one than than we still were doing. Didn't, still didn't save me. Yeah, really? No. You're still getting the, hollered li- at? the Liberians are coming for me. Really? I have to say that that recipe looks delicious. It's got so much. It's got. It's got a lot. It's like a very. Very flavor packed. I mean, I didn't make it, but I mean, looking at the yeah, recipe, no, like very flavor packed recipe. So they uh, they said I, I left out the mixed vegetables. I said it's my style on jollof. All right. So yeah. So like uh, so I like that you specifically are like I don't want to get yeah. into an art. And, and in fact, you, you know, you say listen, like I'm, you know, you travel all over the world. You've tasted this stuff all different places. You have your own rice culture from growing up, and you're like I want to present like kind of this like world as you said earlier i think or maybe it was before we were on air like kind of like like the world of what's kind of possible with with rice and so people are going to get bent people are going to get bent if you don't do their particular thing oh no people people have words like i've been on cookbook tour for a while and recently this past weekend the lady was like oh you make the john john the john john so i can ask you about that oh why i was like what do you mean because you're supposed to put the aluminum foil on the top of the pan at the end, the last 10 minutes, I was like, but hold on. Does this, anything happen with the cooking method? Like, does it look right? Does it? Oh, it tastes It tastes good. But I want you to, I just want to let, so like people really, 
come at you. And it's cool. I think that's what is great about Rice. It has a lot of personalities, a lot of people, a lot of comments. Yeah, um, when people grow up with stuff, they get real bent. <laughs> Speaking of that recipe, uh, so you're referring to uh, a Haitian recipe, and yes. now I have super hardcore FOMO for this freaking John John mushroom. It's hard to get. Spell with a D, folks. DJ. Yeah. Uh, but like, so you know anybody Haitian? I mean, yeah, but like, not I've uh, not from a food world. Not like you know, they don't need to be from a food world. That's yeah. that's the people that know how to get it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's really hard to get. Um, that's why we did it with the bouillon cube, and it even was that during the recipe shooting, it almost didn't make the book because the bouillon cube took forever to come. Really. And we were trying to figure out how to like make the rice this color. What could we do? Do we go get black trumpet mushrooms? What's it taste like to John John? And oh, you don't you don't eat the mushroom, right? It's just no, in the broth just in and then pulled. Right. Is it texture bad or is it like taste weird? Or is it, it like slimy? Like why? It's slimy. Slimy. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it tastes great. It's like very like if you love mushrooms, like mushroomy lima bean, punch flavor rice that goes with a lot of great things. Um and that's like one of those dishes where I talk about like learning about somebody's new culture because then you'll make the Jean Jean and then you'll be like, okay, so why is it so significant to the Haitian culture? And then you go back and start doing your research and you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah. And I have, I have super fun on that. I'm going to get that. I'm going to get it. How, how close was the cube in flavor to the to the real? Uh, it's okay. I okay. would say five, out, say like a six. Six? All right. So, okay. But you know Haitian people so you or somebody listening. Yeah. I'm going to go hit up Merlette. Figure out where this stuff is. Anyway, uh, all right, so some more stuff like this. Uh, first of all, I didn't know Pierre had a source he could ship. Pierre Chom. I didn't know he had a source for the Glabarima rice. You went on a quest to get the Glabarima rice. I have serious FOMO. I want some Glabarima rice. Yeah. Is it, is it, you, everyone wants the Glabarima rice, yeah. man. I haven't, everyone I, wants it. I haven't, I haven't got it since then. Pierre says he can get it, but he lives in San Francisco now. So like, yeah. But no, he's Everybody like, wants it. Everybody wants How it. How good is it? It's good. It's like very starchy. Nutty rice. You could feel when you touch it, you're like, oh, this is this feels pure. I want the clavering. And it was like we washed we didn't wash it for five to the it took a long time for that water to run clear. He took us to Senegal. We didn't have the Glabrima rice. Oh, man. You know what I mean? Anyway. Uh all right. Another I'm gonna go more FOMO stuff. I can't even pronounce it. The sorghum leaves. Pronounce that for me. That dish with the sorghum leaves what where you with the the Oh, the wa the wake. Wake. Oh my God. That's so the, sorghum leaves. Yes. I never I never cook with these. It's another like steep in, get color and flavor, and yeah, pull. Yeah, pull out. Yeah. That recipe is actually also interesting because when you use, like I, I think I mentioned earlier, like you know you use canned, use dried. One of the recipes, uh, the tomato goes in at the beginning with the beans when they're dry, but there's baking soda Correct. to counteract the acidity of the tomato. If you leave out the baking soda, that recipe is probably gonna be a pain in the ass uh, yes, behind be. for you. Yeah. yeah. But then on this one, so like that's the kind of standard like eighth teaspoon. Like I had some old beans in my house I've been cooking. Like they're old and they were stored high in my kitchen. So they're hard. You know, they're never cooked. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm talking about? So I use them mainly for refrides, even though they're not that kind of bean. But still, I have to add extra baking soda. I do not like the smell of heavy baking soda cooking beans until I neutralize them later. Anyway, I digress. But the on this recipe with the sorghum, it's more baking soda than with the um, other recipes with the dry beans. And I'm wondering whether that's because the sorghum needs more or not. It's like, you can it's, pull out the, more of the color of the sorghum. Yeah? Yeah, just yeah, this like active, like reactive moment that helps the sorghum color come out and with the beans. It's kind of like when you make Caribbean rice and peas, like you need the, uh, you need the bean juice that pinkness to make the rice pink. Um, 
It, that's what this does in the wake. And the wake is like hill rice in, in Ghana. Do I need to? Ha- do I need? I need to try this. You need to try it. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, that was another FOMO. And then some more FOMO. Golden Mountain sauce. What's Golden Mountain sauce? I've never had Golden Mountain sauce. What is this? John, have you ever had Golden Mountain no. sauce? No, <laughs> never even heard of it. You got to get the book to know about the Golden Mountain sauce. Oh man! And another one uh, from Costa Rica uh, in the Galapinto, uh, Lozano sauce. What's that all about? Oh, Lozano. You never had Lozano? No, I never had Lozano. You, John? No. Come on, hook me up. What Lozano's, is it about? Lozano. It's like a tomato, spicy-ish kind of sauce. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's good. A, yeah, it's really good. You might use it as a condiment. All right. It's not hard to find. You could get it. You just can't get it. Like, you got to think about the, the grocery stores you don't shop in mm. anymore, like the Sea Towns. Yeah. They'll have those sauces. They'll have those things on the shelf. Yeah, my Sea Town. Like, yeah. Whole Foods ain't having that. Lozano. Are they gonna cut, they're going to cut us off soon. Okay. You don't love okra, which is funny, but you do cook it because you have to. Yes. All right. But you don't like the sliminess. I don't yet. like the sliminess. Uh, and, but your gumbo is okra, not filet. Yes, because you know when you uh, put go when you put okra in gumbo, it comes from Mississippi. All right, and they don't use filet in Mississippi. No. And your grandpa was from the border. From the border, yeah. All right. Uh, before they're gonna cut me off, and I have more to ask you. Salt. You don't like adding salt to the rice no. if it's plain, but obviously if it's one with a stock or something, it's yeah, got yeah, in yeah. it. But you really think it takes that much longer, or do you really think the texture is that different? The salt in the water slows the cooking process down. But do you think it also changes the the texture? You mm, kind of. Yeah. Uh, when you're making your uh, the chawal uh, roti, it's like a rice dough, but it's with long grain rice. How's is that dough? It makes it seem like the dough is going to be hard to come together. Does it come together easy or no? It comes together. You got to press it because it's it, fully cooked and then kneaded right. hot. Yeah, exactly. But it's an easy you, to do recipe. It's easy to do. All right, I'm going to do that. Do it with the kids. You didn't do an. So, the, yeah. All right. I so, didn't do a lot of rice. So you probably want to ask me why I didn't. No, do No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that too. <laughs> your 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 tibijan, no gedge. You don't have any like no sort of fermented gedgey stuff in it. You didn't. Uh, I didn't want to add anything fermented to it. I wanted people to feel comfortable making it, yeah. and then they can then branch off and learn about more of it. Because I love all that fermenty stuff yeah. in there. That stuff is great. All right, just a curious. I'd ask you about that. Talk to me about. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce this in Afrikaans. Yield rice the, with the sugar in it while it's cooking. Oh, that's South African. Yes. Was it good? It's great. You got that from a. You know what? What I like in your book, you're like I learned. I learned this from like the family meal at a restaurant where I was cooking. Yeah, rice. Always, rice at every family meal in a restaurant is delicious. You know that. Yeah. I mean, I wish I had time to talk to you about freaking champarado and Ooh. bico. Oh, I'll say this. Uh, not so much a question as a as a as a statement. Uh, cheese rice grits. Yes. 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 I saw that recipe. Was that some chili oil you had on the side? Yes, of it? I did chili oil on the side. You know what that looks? What do it look? It looks delicious. <laughs> oh, I was like, that is a smart move. I want to make cheese rice grits. Anyway, uh, I hope you had an okay time. I had a lot more questions to ask you I didn't get to because I'm slow and I uh, go around. But anyway, J.J. Johnson, the book is Simple Art of Rice. If you're a Patreon supporter, please buy it from Kitchen Arts and Letters and get the Patreon discount. Uh, We love those folks. And we'll be back next week with more cooking issues. 